Hey, this is Matt Irwin, and you're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold. We're part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. Welcome to the first of the off-season editions, because as you know, the Preds dropped a horrible game seven to the Winnipeg Jets and got eliminated. I'm your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. (laughs) The sadness you hear from Daniel is that he went to the game seven, and Matt is fighting injury tonight. We tried to put him on injured reserve, but he refused to uh, get on go on the list, so he decided to power through today. Yeah, feeling a little under the weather tonight, but we're going to make it through. This is playoff hockey, big boy. But it's over for the Preds, sadly. Such a tough loss. Oh, yeah, I mean, rough start, but we'll talk more all about the Preds and their offseason and the outlook for next year. Kind of a disappointing run, but hey, we made the playoffs. That's all I ask every year, to see playoff hockey from my own club. But well, we've been, uh, you know, fortunate enough to see some excellent playoff hockey, not just the Predators. So that is very true. excited to talk we about some of these other the other games. We have um, got the, just looking at it here, see a picture of Malcolm Subin over at Winnipeg because we've got the uh-huh. Winnipeg Golden Knights game in the background. The Golden Knights are currently have a 2-0 lead over Winnipeg after getting lit up the first game. Yeah, um, much like the Preds, <laughs> they were not guarding the back post and... Boy, the Chet's power play looked good too yeah. against them. It looked even better. Well, credit to our PK, that was the one good thing we did during the series. We were excellent on the the, the penalty kill, but um, I have a feeling the Knights' <laughs> number one goal is to stay out of the penalty box right now because that first game whew, they got tore up. Definitely. Before we get further going, I would like to say that if you are missing some Preds hockey. We have a very interesting development that might be happening soon, and that is a Preds social media pickup game. I'm pretty excited about this. I would love, love to get some checks in and play some hockey with some of the, uh, the top tier social accounts in the league. Justin Bradford. Oh, I need to lay a big check on <laughs> just Justin a B. Big, just yeah. right in the boards. Yeah. Boom. Stay on top of them. That's what I'm talking about. So. Whatever, Justin's a defenseman for the Mighty Drunks. He would lit. Yeah, he's a little bit bigger yeah, than me. Yeah, yeah, you get destroyed. <laughs> I don't even want to hear that. It'd be like buffling, running over you. I'll be talking all the trash in the world, though. It's going to be awesome. Have so if time. you want more info on it, go over and follow Has Been Sports on Twitter. They're the ones who got it going. I said I would show up and do play-by-play and color commentary with Justin what if a, he doesn't play. What a pansy. You don't I'm want to put on goalie. the skates? I'm playing goalie. I'm playing forward. I'm playing some exciting position. I'm scoring look, goals or I'm blocking all the goals. I'm doing look, one I want to be there to make the call, and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, Daniel just got boarded. He's not getting up. I think he's unconscious. Thanks. Thanks, Kyle. Hey, my speed would be there, though. Don't give me that. Well, if you're very fast, hey, you might get picked up by the Preds for next season. Probably not. <laughs> all I'm thinking is that you're trying to skate, and then you're just getting flown by with the likes of Alexi Emelin. Oh, well, you know, good thing he's going to be gone this off season, yeah. So we'll talk more about that here in a bit. Definitely, but let's get into the conference finals, boys. So you've got the Capitals versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. I almost said Flyers for a second, but I was like, wow, no, that was they did not make it that far. Well, far. So it's yeah, they didn't use Mrazic. <laughs> this is true. They didn't use Mrazic. 
Capitals have got a 2-0 lead on the Bolts so far, surprisingly, because a lot of people said that the Bolts were going to light them up, and it turns up no. they figured out how to stop lightning. Well, despite your pun, um, these games have been drastically one-sided, and yeah. OV has been kicking it. Him and Kuznetsov, man, they are they are possessed. They are the Russian duo. They want to go to the cup, and you can tell like Ovi wants it this year. This is their chance. They finally got past the second round. First time ever in a conference final. They go on the road and win both games comfortably. Yeah, comfortably. Seven and one on the road this postseason. They're excellent. Incredible. <laughs> and that's their franchise record so far. Oh, no doubt, yeah. Let's talk about that power play for a minute, though. They're in full gear. I mean, the best power play right now in the postseason. Am I correct on this statement? That is correct. The Capitals so far of the remaining teams have a power play of 32.6%. That is insane. Wow. That is insane. Behind them is the Tampa Bay, ironically, with a 28.9% power play. And what's funny is the penalty kill is that the Capitals have a 76% penalty kill and the Tampa Bay Lightning have a 71% penalty kill. So they are right by each other. So basically, it is a game of stay out of the box (laughs) in that series. And it seems like the Lightning have not been doing a good job. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward. The Capitals are 7-1 and on the road, but can they come home and capitalize <laughs> the home ice advantage. You can me crap up my pun earlier. I'm just saying they they get at least one at home. Just get one and you're on the brink yeah. of you're on the brink. You can get one game out of those final 3. So I, I'm feeling pretty confident. I am that. too. And like you said, something Tampa Bay is really kind of laxing and I thought they would be doing great because Tampa Bay out of the teams remaining their first in offensive zone puck battles. And Washington was actually last in the league this year in four-check chances against. So you'd think that Tampa Bay would be able to capitalize in the offensive zone, but they really haven't got very much going on in the way of shots. If you look at what Tampa Bay has been able to accomplish, Washington has got on the board first 10 of the last 13 games. And Tampa Bay, that game one, was held to only two shots on net in the first period. Yeah, I mean, to follow that up, though, I think in game two, Tampa scored the first two goals, and they still were able to mount a comeback. They're doing it all right now. It's absolutely insane that, first of all, they scored two goals in like a minute the other night in game two. They were beautiful goals. Done. Absolutely done. Like, that knocked the wind out of the crowd. You're going right into, and it was at the very end of the period, like six seconds left. Those are crushing. I think it was the first game where Washington scored four goals before the Lightning even had four shots on the board, or they had four yeah, shots. Yeah, it was the first game. That Talk yeah. about domination, man. Yeah. The Capitals have scored first in each game. They scored the four, and then they scored one, and then, of course, in this in this game two, they scored first one by Wilson, then it was point Stamkos. So it was 2-1, so they still battled back incredibly to make it a 6-2 final. I mean, comfortably at home. Yeah. After they scored, I think it was the fifth goal, you could start to see all the Tampa Bay fans just – Hit the exits, and that's that's a worst. That's the worst feeling as a player because you knew that you know you just let the home ice advantage slip away. You're talking about how hot Ovechkin was earlier. Let's talk about Holtby for a second. He is ten and three in the postseason right now. Vasilevsky is just eight and four. And they say teams that take a two zero lead in the conference final are thirty nine and two to advance, which is ninety five percent. Well, well, Holtby should be in the Vesna conversation for sure then. <laughs> I don't know about that. He's he's performing very well this postseason, uh, making up for a little bit he lacked uh, towards the end of the regular season. But. It's just funny, though, when people say, oh, my gosh, he's having such a hot postseason. He should be getting the Vesna. Well, 
it, it's the regular season. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they've already voted. Yeah, they've it. already voted. So it just cracks me up because people are always like trying to equate the postseason for the Vesna when it's just the 82 games that matter. So pretty funny. Let's take a look over to the Vegas and Winnipeg series then. I will say this, Flurry finally looks human. That's because uh, there are some sharpshooters on the Jets, and that power play was kicking the other night, and the, <laughs> the Jets basically dismantled the Knights' defense, and it did not look good. I will say that Twitter was talking about the fact that Vegas lost so bad to the Jets, and they said, let's go back to the Nashville game for a second. They said, could it be the Jets are just that good? They come through, they throttle the Preds, unfortunately, because we're out, and then you come over there and they dominate, like literally dominate the Knights. So in that game, Flurry had a .8468 percentage. Until then, he had a 9.51 and had four shutouts. That was the fifth time in six games he's given it three-plus goals. I don't I don't discredit Flurry because he's been the best all year long, and he, he would have been in the Vesna conversation if he hadn't been hurt at the start of the year. I uh, just blame how good the Jets are, like this, you mentioned. This just goes back to the whole Preds defense thing where everyone was blaming yeah. Peck, and I'm like, it's not Peck's fault. When the defense strung together a good game in front of him, Peck got a shutout. <laughs> or when it was just halfway decent. He would clean up the mess the other times, you know. But the games that we were garbage, yeah, you're getting blown out. I mean, come on. Even Game 7, when he got pulled, not to do spoilers, yeah, those two first goals, yeah, you want back, but defense didn't help all that much on either of them. So it, it it's worth noting that I don't think the media attention that the goalies have been getting and the criticism are up to goalie level as far as, like, it's the goalie's fault. I honestly don't think that because I know after that first game they were on flurry, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. He's been incredible the entire playoffs. You just have a really good, really good forward group in the Jets. Going back to the defense a minute, not to blame it on Fleury, you look at how one of the reasons I really have liked Vegas is because they put together a full package on the defensive end of the ice. They have five defensemen with 20-plus minutes on the ice per game average. They're doing it by committee. They've also allowed the fewest rush chances against per game, under three. They've also allowed the fewest passes to the slot against and the fewest slot shots against. Although the Knights have it together in front of the net, this was according to uh, Mike Kelly pointed this out on Twitter. He mentioned that the the Jets have a perimeter scoring system. They're actually the best in the league. Yep. This postseason almost double any other team at, at, back post. at perimeter scoring. So they can find ways to score without necessarily being in the slot. Uh, they do it all the time. The power play is very similar. I don't know if you noticed that. They, they always try to cycle one side and draw the defense from yeah. right to left. And then it's always Shifley it or Line A. And dude, in the in the in the Vegas game, I watched Line A go from the blue line, skate completely unaware, all the way past the faceoff circle to field a pass coming straight to him for a one timer. It was amazing. Flurry's not getting that. How nobody picked him up. Like how I know it's a penalty kill, but how do you not realize that one of their best scores is just Laxadaisley just skating Bro, down the ice and nobody's watching him. It happened to us yeah. the entire series against the, even the Preds, and I don't understand that. And the Knights did the same thing. Yeah, and I'm same like, thing. They were, each team seems to be weak on the right side. I thought maybe it was some kind of a scouting report, but now that we're seeing it across multiple teams, I just, I don't know, I think they're just not putting it on a full effort in front of their netminder there. Yeah, and, and like I said, that goes back to the goaltender numbers are 
greatly skewed when you're getting scored on by right. goals like that. I mean, there's no chance as a goalie. No chance at all. And let's talk a second about Mark Shifley, how much of a season he has. I think he is a clear front runner for the Conn Smythe. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's by far the front runner no right doubt. now, in my, in my opinion. He has 12 goals so far for the postseason, which is incredible. He is chasing Sidney Crosby's number of the 9 season of the most goals in the modern NHL era of 15. And if you think about it, he's already at 12, and they're only in the conference final. He's gonna be, he's coming up right behind Reggie Leach and Yari Curry, who both had 19 for the most goals in a postseason, and that's from 1976 wow. and 1985. Uh, to be honest, depending on how long this series goes with the Knights, he could do it. He's he's already actually another achievement. He's already the first player in like 90 years to score seven goals on the road in one series. And of course, that was against Nashville. Well, well, all the goals apparently for the other teams were scored away in that series. I mean, we were two and five. I mean, if you'd have told me home teams would have gone two and five in in the Jets, the Jets and the the Predators series, which is the number one and the number fifth best home team in the league, I'd have lost money for sure. And I will say this, the Jets have won all game ones in their postseason so far, and they have yet to trail the series. Wow. What do you say? I mean, they are a dominant team. And I know in the presser today that uh, Lavia and Poyle had, he mentioned that it was only a couple of points that separated them. It could have been a shootout win, a shootout loss, and it could have been a 1-2 where we've been the yeah. second place team and they'd be the first. Literally, that matchup of the one and the number two, the past five times, the winner of that has gone on to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Which... Sucks for the Preds because they knew that was their chance. If you, if you get past the Jets, I'm liking our odds the rest of the way. Granted, Capitals are looking pretty good now. They're rolling. More than likely, that's going to be your finals matchup, either yeah. you know, Lightning and, or sorry, the Capitals and either Winnipeg or the Knights. But that said, I, yeah, it's very difficult when you're one game away and the series were as close as they were. And it's ironic, I was looking at the, uh, the standings today of the teams that were left. All the teams except Winnipeg were the number one in their division. Yeah, except that number two seed was... The number two in our division was, was the still, number two overall yeah, seed in the, in the league. league. So, <laughs> once again, that's a little bit skewed. But the problem is, I think Winnipeg Jets are only going to have a short-lived, sustained glory. Because I was kind of looking at there, I was kind of cheating ahead, you know looking at some cap space issues that they have. So coming up on the docket this year, so after this postseason, let's go over all their unrestricted and restricted free agents. Paul Stastny, Sean Mathias, then you have Adam Lowry, Joel Armia, Marco Dano, Brandon Tanev, a.k.a. built for the postseason that I've heard from NBC so many times. Matt Hendricks, who really came on this this postseason. Then on top of that, you have Toby Enstrom, Jacob Truba. You're shaking wow. you're shaking your head because I could not believe there was this many restricted and unrestricted free agents coming up. And you still have three left. Yes. Uh Tucker Pullman, Joshua Morrissey, and Joel Morrow. But wait, it gets even better. Connor Hellebrook. Wow. And do you know what? The year after, so next year, not this offseason, but the year after that, Patrick Lyonet has to be signed. <laughs> Hope their front office is in order for those cap Patrick issues, Patrick Lyonet has to be signed, and you know he's probably getting a contract north of 10. <laughs> I, I, I mean, 
You're going to have uh, Patrick Line. Actually, it's not just that. Co- uh, Andrew Cope and Blake Wheeler at the same time. Yes, Preds fans, we got beat by the Jets, who happen to have a really great team and kind of got a little lucky due to their signings and their talent that just sprouted up for a great bargain. Because, I mean, if you're paying Line A, you know, uh, a measly $925,000 wow. for his production, that's excellent deal right there. So what's going to happen is after this season, they're going to have to start signing or letting people go to sign those big contracts. So they're not going to have as much depth as they were this year. And especially the next season after that, once Line A's fat contract comes up, and then you're going to see a situation kind of like the Oilers were in when they signed McDavid and also, what was it, um, your man? What was the other guy? Hmm? So Drysaddle? Drysaddle. Drysaddle, yeah. So those two combined were over $20 million. And he took a pay cut. But the problem is they're so top-heavy. That's true. And they're so cap-hungry that you don't have the depth. And that's what's going to happen with Patrick Line. Because are they really going to give up Patrick Line? No. They're going to sign him for Franchise a huge contract. Yeah. yeah, they're going to sign him for a huge contract. Where on the Preds, on the other hand, all of our core pieces set for the next couple of years, at least two years. It seems like the Jets kind of cashed in. Like as we've mentioned before, you kind of have to take those future assets and cash them in now so you have all the pieces now, and the Jets are a good example of it. It might leave them kind of strung out in the future. They're going to be weak. They're not going to have some of their roster pieces. That's what you've seen Pittsburgh had to do uh, this year. They had to unload some assets. Yep. The Preds are actually in a pretty comfortable spot because they've managed their assets so well over time that they're going to be looking good for the next three, four, five Three to years. four or five years easy where the Jets, I feel like they're in a they got to win the yeah. Cup this year. Because I think next year they're depleted, and then I think the next year after that they are greatly depleted. Next year they're going back to Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I think their mentality is they need to win this year. Hopefully they can get it done, but I I have a feeling if it does melt down, that is going to be rough because you're going to start to see them kind of slightly decline over the next two seasons. I think that is a great segue into our offseason for us boys. You're talking about cap space. Preds are going to start signing people. But it's not been too bad because, the uh, like I said earlier when we started the show, Lavi and Poyle held their uh, end-of-season press conference with the media. And they gave us a couple different things to talk about here. We will say that um, if you were a fan of Mike Fisher, Kelly Yarncroke, or Ryan Hartman, if you noticed that they may be moving a little slow this year in the playoffs, it's because they were injured. Yeah, Mike Fisher was kind of, you know, that was known. Uh, he was limping after yeah. that, that game in Winnipeg. Um, Callie Yarncroke was in and out of the lineup, so you kind of understood that he was battling an injury all year. But the Ryan Hartman one was kind of kind of shocking because he was playing several games injured then. Four-month surgery recovery, so pretty serious, actually. He, he must have had it really bandaged during the games. That'll, that'll be nice that he can get that fixed in the offseason and then come back healthy, and I'm sure we'll sign him to a contract as well. Well, I'll tell you who we did not sign was Scott Hartnell and Alexi Emelin, which Poyle said they will not be coming back next season. So, Scott Hartnell, that one was kind of tough for me because I know he's getting older and he's getting slower. But, man, in the playoffs, it was nice seeing him out there again in a Preds jersey. Uh, Definitely a little bit of a nostalgic factor, being a longtime Preds fan, seeing him come back for this one season. So, honestly, I think he retires this year with Fisher. I think those two go out, you know, respectably and – 
I, I, I'm happy with it, but I, I honestly wouldn't be sad to see him for one more year. I mean, if if we could get him for a, a nice one mil, cool one mil again, but it it, it seems like that is not going to be the case. And Poyle already said that they will not be offering him the contract. So that is another million dollars off the cap with Fisher. So that's two million dollars, and then Emlyn should not ever come back and wear a gold jersey ever again so he will be gone and that's almost three million i couldn't believe it 2.98 million dollars we were paying him wow we got five million dollars of cap space and you think that's a lot of money no but Poyle already said that he's already spoke to um ryan ellis and his agent about good call go ahead and getting the talk started for a contract extension because as of july he's then able to start talking about a contract extension Yes, so I know it's not imperative that we sign him this year, but we could kind of absorb the remainder of his contract and kind of spread it out and kind of thin it out over the next several years. (laughs) Poyle really likes that move where he gets a good piece and kind of spreads it out a little thinner. So it's, it's interesting to see, kind of like the RV deal. Everyone didn't really like it at first. They're like, why do you give a player who had one good year? Uh, a $4.5 million deal. Well, that one really paid off because he hit 30 goals, by the way, and we're now paying him $4.5 million for the next several years. So I have a feeling that you're going to see something like that for Ryan Ellis. Probably that six mil mark might be where we're at. Five to six, uh, I'm feeling. But we have the cap space now. While five come clear, we already had 2.8 against. And then on top of that, you're looking at UC Soros, as a restricted free agent, we have to sign him as well. Very interesting. There's several scenarios here. Um, I personally would prefer to see a bridge contract where we give him $1.5 million maybe now for the next several years to lock him in for when Peck ends up retiring so that once Peck retires, then we could, you know, just basically swap contracts out. Yeah. Peck retires, boom, we give you an $8 million whatever contract at the time, and you've grown into it and you've proven that you've earned the spot. Rather than give him a, you know, a decent three or four mil now, give him the one million, 1.5 mil, give him a bridge to get to where he's going. Yeah, they usually call that like a show me contract. Show me what you got, and then a couple of years we'll talk about it and, and reassess things and get you signed to another deal. And that kind of seems the direction that they're going. Even Peck's, you know, post game and some of the interviews that we've seen in the locker room says, "I'm 35, you know, and I feel good, but at some point he's going to have to step down." And he even said, "UC will be the next guy." Like he fully believes that too. And for Peck to have that confidence in a young goaltender obviously means he sees something there, and he sees that he's a special goaltender. So, yeah, the writing's on the wall, and. Obviously, he came in and did really well pinch hitting in our pro season. I mean, you can't argue that last Jets game, the heat map was crazy in front of that. And he kept us in the game long enough just to give us a shot, even though our forwards couldn't do squat in game seven. He came in and just controlled it. So to be that young, quite a lot of poise. And I'm, <laughs> first of all, he's training underneath Peck, too. So that also helps. The one person you did not mention about the RFA, by the way, was Mika Salamaki, who is coming on RFA for this coming season. Salty's gone. You think so? Yeah. I think Salty's gone, uh, Hartnell, Fisher, and Emlyn. That's four gone. Whew. Just get them out. Because you know, first of all, Tolvanen's coming in. Yeah. Baby, he's coming in. He's coming in hot. Oh, yeah. He just went over to freaking 
Finland off the plane and scores a goal and an assist right off the plane. I mean, are you Crazy. kidding me? I mean, yes, that's his ice, the ice that he's used to. But, I mean, he cherry-picked a pass from a goaltender the other night and just humiliated him. I don't know if you saw that that goal. Basically, the goaltender was trying to be cute, clear it like Peck, shot it towards the middle. Yeah. He picked it off, and then, like, the goalie got back in the goal, but there was no chance. It, it, he, he tore him up. So, Tolvanen will be in the lineup, more than likely top six in the lineup eventually. Eventually. I'd say maybe top nine to start with. Oh, he, he's he's third line to start, yeah. but then what's going to happen is over time he's going to start working his way up. And then by that point, hmm, a couple years from now, I argue that Smith will be our unprotected in the expansion draft. So I honestly think that'll be the person who we leave exposed because you're going to start seeing his production tail off. He's going to be a little older then, kind of what we did with Neil. Neil's getting a little older. You expect his performance to tail off over these next one or two years. Anyway, that's long-term. That's a long-term GM hat. But, yes, Tovenin will be in there. So people are freaking out because they're like, oh, my God, you know, we're, we're losing people. We're losing defensemen. We're losing, we're losing forwards. Yeah, we're Call set man. pretty good, yeah. We have great prospects, too, that we haven't even talked about yet. Yep, and I did ask uh, Admiral's Roundtable, who covers the Milwaukee Admirals, which is, our, which is the Preds farm team, about some of the players coming up in the system, about would any of them, any of them get the chance to – step up into the season coming up because, you know, they got development camp coming up and then training camp. And he said that uh, uh, Fabro was not signed yet. Carrier, Daughtry, and Allard are all expected to start in Milwaukee next season. So there's a pretty good chance we won't see them come up. With Emlyn gone, that leaves a opening in the bottom D pair, which is interesting because you argue or you speculate that we do sign Ryan Ellis with the cap space that has been cleared. So that solidifies your top four, and I'm I'm feeling pretty good about the top four. You got Yossi, PK, Ekholm, and Ellis, which Ekholm, by the way, was stock was rising yeah. in the postseason. Loved him in the playoffs. Been excellent. So I'm feeling really good about the top four. The The problem was we were getting toasted on the bottom pair oh, in definitely. the postseason. We were getting destroyed. That was the weakest part of the— I did like what Adam Vinnigan says about Emelins leaving. He said when he was without PK, he was pretty much ineffective. Yeah, I mean, he was a traffic cone. We've we've said that I don't know how many times. He he did nothing on the ice. He would always play that body. I I, I don't know. It, it just didn't make sense why we picked him up to begin with. I didn't like the pickup. Obviously, they thought we needed a little bit more physicality. I don't know. The league's going to the fast pace. We, I mean, Matt talked about this. I, no, I I was a pass on M1 from the beginning, and well, he's going to be gone now. And you get to see an excellent young prospect come up. We actually got to see Carrier and Daughtry in the um, Allard as well. Yes, in the uh, prospect tournament last year, or the and they looked good, looked really good. I could see one of them making a move. Fabro apparently has been lighting it up, Boston College. I actually got to see him play in the Frozen Four the other night. Actually, it was a month ago, <laughs> long ways, long ways back. But he looked extremely well and pretty well composed and he's used to this ice as well so you could see them kind of be in the mix you know how Poyle does it we'll start the season we'll keep rotating in we'll we'll play five games here a couple games here a couple games here then he picks that one that he really likes and that's the one who could eventually be or land a third pairing which I would love to see a new young talent come up it's got to be better than Emlyn that's all I got to say 
Well, <laughs> even if we don't get anybody to replace M1, we'll have 7D, which is probably what we're going to stay with. Because I know ads right on the table, because I mentioned the fact that it was the eighth demon, because in the playoffs, you know, you don't have that limits that you have for, during the regular season. And he was like, look, he's like, no team usually carries eight demon, and they shouldn't. So with Emlyn gone, we'll be down to seven, which is probably where we'll stay at until we can find somebody to either send down in Milwaukee that brings me up to try, or maybe have to wait until the next season after this coming one to see anybody from Milwaukee come up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, how, interesting to see how Poyle wants to play that and with the farming team. He always does such an excellent job anyways. I'm not worried. But we got we got Fabro in the wing. We got Carrier and Daughtry. And obviously we have some excellent forwards about to take the place of some of the veterans coming out. And our team's looking a lot younger too, which is nice. Looking younger. But let's be honest, guys. We had a rough game seven. Yeah, and unfortunately... The veteran Pecorine let in two goals at the beginning, and I was right on top of them. I mean, I, I was right there for them, and it hurt bad. When the first one went in, I literally gritted my teeth, and I'm like, oh, that can't happen. That Like, it can't happen. Initially, though, I, I, I thought it was 100% Pekka. Like, soft goal, granted, shouldn't happen still. But upon the replay... Talk about the chances of that going in. It was like off of a stick underneath a skate blade, and he was already posted up too. I know Matt and I talked about this. I, I You don't want to say it's a fluke goal because you can't have it in a game seven, but man, it sucked. It sucked bad, and you knew Peck was, like, he looked down like, how did that get in? Like, <laughs> he was shocked, to be yeah, honest. He had the positioning ready. Usually when that goes in, it's because he's crossing right to left and didn't get there in time. He was but there. he had it solid. It was just like a freak accident. I'm still going to call it a soft goal. No, it's a, it's, it is a soft goal. But at the same time, the chances of that going in are like slim to none. Yeah. Also, there was no defender also picking up the guy coming in the net. He just skated in and then chipped it at the net. <laughs> so... That goal went in. It was already 1-0. And then the second goal, whew, there was some defensive communication between Ellis and Yossi on who was going to get the puck on the left-hand side and who's going to guard the guy. But there was only one guy, so I would have preferred both of you double-team the guy or do whatever. And that was on the right-hand side and again. it was on the right-hand side again. And they both pull up, and then Yossi has to go around the net, so he's reaching way around can't even get to the puck, and two shots. I mean, he had two clear shots on Peck. Granted, Peck, I thought, should have been just hugging the post, but I did look at the replay again. Great fake move. He did this one little head fake like he was going to pass it to the slot, <laughs> which, if I'm Peck, I'm a little gun-shy of the slot right now because <laughs> they've been doing it to me all series. Once again, another soft goal, but at the same time, defense did not help him, and we were down 0-2 in the first period. About the worst start you can have. I mean, the the worst start you can have in a Game 7, period. It was a very anticlimactic Game 7. I know for a fact I didn't watch it because the last time the Preds won, I was not watching the game. So I was repeat, like, you know repeat what? Repeat what you do. Repeat. Followed on Twitter, that's it. But eventually got the point that when I saw the first two goals go in in less than 10 minutes, they said, oh, Rene's going to the bench. And I was like, we're done. First of all, I think we even said the key was to score first. And then oh, play yeah. and then play your trap defense. The problem was they scored first, and then the rest of the game we were having to push and play their game, and it, you can't. 
Like, we made one good pushback, but that was it. And then after that, you're playing their game, and they're going to win at it. Yep. You're gonna, they're going to win at it. And that was the whole key. As soon as they scored the second goal, I knew we were done because we were going to have to push the puck. That trap defense is ineffective now because you can't score a lot of offense on the trap defense. You might score one or two goals, but you're not. It's boring, basic hockey for a reason, and you shut it down. Granted, when Peck went to the bench, first of all, it was one of the most heart-wrenching sights I think I've ever seen at Bridgestone Arena. It was so depressing because the camera followed him into the tunnel, and I was like, really? That's just... I was mad at the camera person because I was like, let I him know, because be. I know that the person who's in your ear is telling you to do that, but I'm like, give the guy some respect. Yeah, you could tell that Peck was visibly upset. He felt like he let the team down, and he goes into the tunnel, I mean, way up there, sits by himself for a few minutes, but the crazy part is he comes back out, he fist bumps Soros, he's high-fiving all the guys, come on, guy, you know, he's clapping for him every time. I, Classy dude. Yeah, class act for I'm, sure. I'm telling you, other teams noticed it too. Blackhawks fans were even commenting on it, which is surprising. They were like, man, first of all, if I did that, I couldn't even show my face in the locker room. I, I would not want to take questions afterwards, let alone sit there for 15 minutes and take questions from the media. Oh, they say he's one of the greatest people. Bad day, good day. If you have a question, he will take time to answer your question. He's a professional. That's the that's the key. That's that's his job, and he understands that the media, that's their job, and that's how they make their living. So I'm going to sit here for 15 minutes and make it a little bit easier for them to do, you know, to do their job. I would not want to say a single word. I let the team down. I would be pissed at myself. I would be so mad. Couldn't do it. Rough start, though. Soros came in, like I said earlier, thought he did incredible. He, he, he had done incredible for the series, basically pinch hitting uh, off of a cold start. Kept us in the series. PK came up with the one power play goal, which gave us a little bit of life. But after that, if, if we weren't on the power play, we couldn't push as much as we wanted because, well, we were playing their game. And then once we started pushing in the third, it was done. One turnover, Shifley hammers it past. It was 3-1. to one. And at that point, it was just a train wreck going down because we knew we were going to be pushing really hard. Our defense was going to have to engage way up past the point and 5-1. There was not much you could do. I mean, throughout the series, the row team had the advantage, but the Preds just seemed to fall flat when it counted the most, and that's the Game 7. You knew it was going to 7. We all said it was going to Game 7, and we knew that the Preds statistically would have the best advantage because usually it's the home team that wins Game 7. Nine times out of ten, a Game 7 is the home winner. And they just fell out the performance. And I will say, the one thing I liked, I'm about to play a clip from P.K. Subin from uh, Penalty Box Radio, interviewed him after the Game 7, and he talked about pretty much that it was a team performance. And that was the one consistent in the bad series, which was the team was consistently bad and underperformed when it counted most. They were consistently inconsistent. It was, uh, and the arguments are starting to come about, oh, did we peak too early? You know, and that stretch. Well, that was a great stretch. Yeah, we were 15-1 and at one point, so that's great. You want to do that in the playoffs, but it's not realistic that you're going to be that hot going into the playoffs or during the playoffs against the best teams in the league. We just could not capitalize when it mattered, and then on top of it, I just felt like our defense was completely inconsistent throughout the whole series, which is 
a shocker, but they were. And they even acknowledged it, thankfully, at the end. Yeah. That they weren't up to where they needed to be. Yep. All right, so here's the clip I was talking about. This is P.K. Subin talking to Penalty Box Radio about the performance after Game 7. Didn't go our way. You know, it wasn't our year. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a better team than us over there, but they played a good game today. And just didn't go our way tonight. Just thing to lose three straight games in this building to go out. How, how bad does that stand? Yeah, well, you know, in the playoffs, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, every game is important, whether you're on the road or at home, and I thought we did a lot of things well throughout the series. We, we had a chance, you know, it's game seven. We, we had a chance to to win, and um, it just didn't didn't happen for us. PK, how will this season be remembered in the dressing room? Well, it's learning, you know. I think uh, we had a lot of time now to think about it and to heal up and rest, and... Um, you know, for us, we're going to have to use this summer to be even better for next year. You know, we got to go and train and rest and recover and get faster, get stronger, get bigger, and be ready to uh, to win a championship next year. PK, um, I can might get a little bit second-guessed to the early start, but truth be told, you guys were within a goal for a lot of the game. Uh, is this more of a team thing? Should it not be? Yeah, I mean, you know, listen to me. Anybody who wants to... Critics that want to criticize him don't know what they're talking about. I don't care if they play in the NHL or not. He's uh, the backbone of our hockey club, and he's one of the main reasons why we're here. So, I mean, uh, you know, for him, I mean, you know, could we have all been better today? Yeah, we didn't do enough. You know, um, you know, I felt at times they they had their whole team going, and you know, we we didn't. You know, I mean, it comes down to that. You know, I think everybody could have played a lot better, could have given more, and. Um, you know, I'm sick and tired of people always, you know, talking about him. You know, he's the backbone of his team. He's the main reason why we're here. I mean, you talk about top goaltenders in the league. I mean, it's him, it's Price, it's, you know, it's Vasilevsky, it's Hellebuck, it's these guys, and you're lucky to have one of them. So, I mean, we got to look at this as a team and get better as a team. And um, like I said, we got a lot of time to think about it, rest and recover, and be ready to win a championship next year. That's a great Post game, after after losing, <laughs> lumps it all on the team. First of all, not one person, because the the media was already blasting Pekka online. I mean, absolutely downright hateful on Twitter uh, after that two soft goal. You know, getting pulled again. So I thought it was very classy of him to you know lump it all together and say, hey, you know. We were actually within one goal for a good portion of the game, and we couldn't we couldn't capitalize. PK even had a goal that night. I mean, <laughs> he had a power play goal, which was an excellent slapper from the point. But that said, it, it was not enough. It was not enough against the second best team in the league. And the sad part is, more than likely, if the Jets go on to win, you look back again, and this is another team that has beaten the Preds that will eventually go on to win the Cup. So close, absolutely so close. It's almost disgusting at this point. Like, you can taste it and you know we're almost there. The question will be off season, what signings we can make, if everyone can get healthy, come back, which it seems like there wasn't as bad of injuries this year, especially Ryan Johansson, Kevin Fiala. They're all going to be healthy to start. So your top six are even more intact starting next year than last year. PK might not be hurt for half the season. Ellis might not be hurt for half the season. First of all, we won the President's Trophy without Ellis for half the season. Right. He comes back from day one. 
and people want to give him crap. Like somebody was saying today about when are we going to trade Ellis? I'm like, we're not going to trade Ellis. He was already on pace for 60 points of the season, and that was only half the season. He always had 30-something points. And I was like, first of all, I said, if you're going to give Ellis crap, you got to go down the lineup. you got to give Yossi crap. You've got to give Tourist crap. Look at this. Oh, dude, Tourist? Yossi. He was pissed at himself oh, on, yeah, in, this, definitely. in this series. But him and Smith did nothing. If our second line, because you know when they first joined, they united, and it was just like they were wrecking people. They were doing like three points a game, averaging like three points a game, like a goal and two assists a game. And they literally withered up like a desert in the playoffs. If they do marginal production, we win that series against the Jets. I mean, look at this. Second line, Kyle Turris. All he has for the entire playoff series. These are the point totals for the playoff season as I told. It's bad. Kyle Turris, three assists. Kevin Fiala, three goals, one assist. Craig Smith, two goals, two assists. That's terrible production. Then let's look at Yossi. 53-point regular season. Postseason, four assists. That's it. Yeah, and I think that was definitely the scouting report for the Predators was to shut down our our active defensemen and try to take that away and force that second line, which didn't happen. That and that was the problem. They they knew that our second line was was cooling off, so they're like, take the defense away and put it on the second line. And our second line could not could not score a goal, save their life. So next year. That second line comes back with a full year underneath their belt of chemistry. So I, I, I'm thinking they're going to be incredible. And I also think that Tolvanen, <laughs> you're talking about a key power play position player. He looks excellent on the power play. You give him a little bit of space and that wrist shot, whew, it's nasty. Wicked. Wicked wrister for a reason. We saw it plenty of times on the KHL uh, Twitter feed. I cannot wait. To be honest, I was more impressed and looking forward to next season than this season because I knew what was coming up as far as prospects. So if anything, you're if anything, the consolation prize is yes, you lost to the second best team in the league. You did not achieve your goal. But next year, that team is going to be depleted. And on top of that, your team is just going to be even stronger. You're going to have more chemistry, all of your core is intact, and you're getting incredible young talent. Yeah, this is not just a one- or two-year spurt you guys are having. You guys are set for long-term success, and that's credit to your front office. So, Preds fans, I know it's you know kind of disheartening, but got to hold your head up high. Strong effort, President's Trophy. Pecorini is the best player on the team this year, the likely Vezina Trophy winner. Even better success in some areas this year. Better effort on the power play this year. Oh, yeah. Let's not. Yeah. That that was already a mar, marginal improvement over last season, and it's only going to get better. Like I said, with Tolvanen and uh, other key key um, you know personnel being added to the lineup. Uh, I'm I'm not worried about the power play this this coming year because it, it was infinitely better already this postseason. All we ask is you don't go to Preds Facebook. Stay on Preds Twitter where you can keep level-headed because during Game 7, Preds Facebook was having a meltdown again, more so than usual this time, if that can be said. I think they burned the ship and were somehow trying to burn the ocean at the same time. Uh, it, it, it's the initial reaction to disappointment because you make the cup finals, so you instantly say, hey, well, we're going to make the cup finals again. Well, that's not realistic. 
it's it's really not realistic in this league. Anything can happen. You can hit a hot team in the postseason. You can have injuries. By the way, both teams that made the finals last year are already eliminated in the second round. Yeah, that's and how one was it and is. one was a two time two time defending champion. It really comes into Nashville's developing a hockey community and a hockey town here. So it's not just so much the Preds need to love success to be a fan. You need to love the team and watch it grow over time. And really, it's to develop again, an entire relationship. It's not just on success. You can't just be there during the highlights and be a bandwagon fan. You've got to enjoy the entire process and see it blossom for years to come. And that goes back to our point. I don't like the idea of stacking it for one year and then having another five years of trying to rebuild. I, I don't want the, the cup one year. I would rather make the postseason consistently look at the red wings yeah look at the red wings one of the best streaks in sporting history i mean they make the playoffs for like 20 straight freaking years it's incredible absolutely incredible they win how many championships during this time yeah it was in 25 years straight postseason and it was uh four stanley cups during that span and and what does that do to a fan base that that only builds long-term fans so I I'm a fan of the long term play, and that's kind of how the Predators are playing it right now with signing these you know decent long term tr- contracts that are kind of staggered. You're not seeing one major you know stat or number jump off and hit your cap. So, Preds fans just just understand it, it's a process, <laughs> and if you're consistently making the playoffs and consistently making deep playoff runs. That's good. That is a good sign. Yes, trust because the eventually you will make one. And on top of that, it's not just one season. You can come back and do it the next season. You at least have a shot. Where I have a feeling where the Jets are going to taper off these next two years. The Preds are not. The Preds are not going anywhere. They're going to be even better this next season. So, hang your head up. We'll we'll go raise up two more banners, and it's going to be okay. Don't yes, burn the we ship have down. nothing to be disappointed about. We had a great regular season, the best in our franchise history. So, the, the I mean, the Penguins didn't get to three-peat. They did not three-leave, okay? <laughs> That's all we care about at the end of the day, guys, is that they did not repeat. I think the hockey world is entirely okay with whoever wins the Cup now because they don't have to listen to the Penguins fans be all penguin anymore. It's penguin Well, speaking of who's going to win the Cup, this gets into an interesting topic of our new pick to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Now, no, 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 I don't even want to. I, no, I don't even want to see your pick right now because I have a feeling that this corner is going to be skewed by one team in particular. There's a lot of red over here, and it's because I picked the Capitals <laughs> with all my heart. I bleed Shocker. red. I bleed red, so oh, wow. I've got to pick the Capitals. A good call that you bleed red. <laughs> I will admit. It is now looking statistically likely that they are going to move on to the Stanley Cup. Maybe not win, however, but I do think they are getting past the Lightning and making it to the Stanley Cup Finals, which leads into my pick, the Winnipeg Jets. They're pretty hot right now. Oh, yeah. They got the speed. They got the buff. I honestly think think they're going to take it. Which would really suck again for the Preds because we get bumped and then that team wins. But they're built to win this year. Go do it. Because if you don't get it this year, I I honestly don't think you're going to get it the next two years. 
They're flying high. It's it's they're soaring right now. You just you don't even come in for a landing. You just keep going, and you win it, and then you crash land it afterwards because you you just go all out. That that's my that's my pick. I honestly think they're gonna be able to do it. Now that said, the Knights are beating them three to one in uh, in Winnipeg right now. So looks like this game's over and it's gonna be one to one. So they did their job and they got one on the road. So who knows? Now now Winnipeg's gonna have to steal one. But you know, home home ice advantage has meant nothing in the playoffs. I think the home teams are now like forty percent. Right now in the play, it's something ridiculously low. I, I it's such a weird postseason this year, as far as a home ice advantage. So, still sticking with it, Winnipeg Jets. I like them. And that leads in the UMAT. Well, I have to agree. I think the Jets probably the strongest team left, and they are the most likely to win. But but Matt, Matt can't pick our. I, I cannot pick what you guys pick. I have to be different. So I'm going to go with my underdog favorite, uh, the Vegas Knights. The team pick. that was supposed to get swept in the first round by the Kings. At the beginning of the year, they had a 200 to 1 chance of winning the Stanley Cup if you were betting in Vegas. And now it's looking better than 200 to 1 for sure. But uh, I, I just love that you've eventually flopped to the Knights after, after, after Kyle after, took my $5. After Kyle just ransacked <laughs> that $5, first of all, because no. The Kings are going to be way too strong, and they're not going to make <laughs> yeah. it out. Sweep, and then the the here come the Sharks. Oh, no. No, the Sharks are going to gobble them up. No. Nope. Sharks, <laughs> the Sharks got slayed. The Sharks tanked. Well, yeah, that's that's true. You got, you made me a believer. They're, they're pretty good, so I'm going to take them. They're the underdog. I do think they need to probably await their turn, but I'm going to root for <laughs> Sit them. Sit down. <laughs> Fool, get, get in line. We've yeah. had other teams waiting a long time for this. But, kind of cool fact, three of the four remaining have not won a cup. Yeah. So, statistically, we're looking pretty good, and they're down 0-2, the Lightning. So, really, it's more than, you know, or less than 25% uh, odds that we will have a new Stanley Cup champion. This said, I wouldn't mind if Neil won it. That'd be kind of a cool story for him. But, at the same time, I want Trots to win. Oh, yeah. If I just Trots want, if I want a team way. to win... I want Trotz to win just for what he did to our franchise. He basically was the backbone for a while and set us up for where we are now. So I would love to see him and Ovi, by far one of the most deserving players of a cup. I would love to see him get one. And that being said, we do have a Twitter question, by the way. And it comes from our friend PredSmart, which if you don't follow on Twitter, you should follow him because this guy makes some pretty cool graphics. So he asked, Referring back to the very beginning of our episode about the social media pickup game, he said, who do you predict to drop the gloves in a potential Twitter pickup game? Twitter pickup game. First of all, Matt Bain, for those who do not know or have ever met Matt Bain in any sporting competition, is probably the best trash talker and or heckler out there. Not as good as Marchand. <laughs> not as good as Marchand. He won't lick you. He's no, not going to no. lick you. He's not going to post kissy face emojis on, on Twitter. He's, he's going to get underneath your skin a little bit. So I could see Matt getting a little chippy. I could see it. As evident, our volleyball game last night, <laughs> you, were, right. you were quite uh, chirpy to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Play to win, baby. Play to win. Yeah, yeah but you, you almost sleep on the couch house. when you went home. <laughs> You're not doing something right if you're not ruining friendships or marriages after the game. Yeah. So I could see I could see Matt getting in one. I don't know. 
I think I know if Matt was to drop the gloves, I think he would drop the gloves at Intern Alley. What? Yeah, she is quite the feisty hockey player, I hear. So I think you two would go at it. She'd go for a, a crotch check, and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> Matt's dropping the gloves. And Oh, no, she'd straight up slug him in the face. She wouldn't care. She plays hockey already, so she's already got the advantage. Oh, Matt can't even skate. <laughs> I'd love to see him. We're going to get him that little, you know, that little walker for the ice? We'll duct tape a stick to it. Let him... Uh, let them take some warm-up shots. <laughs> we'll take the episode from The Simpsons where they have Millhouse tied to the goal. Yeah. That'll be Matt. That'll be Matt. So, guys, it has been a good episode. Not how we wanted to end the season. You know, we wanted to still be talking Preds hockey going into the Western Conference Final. But, hey, we're still talking hockey, just not Preds hockey. Sad but true. They are now laid to rest. RIP Predators on this season. But the outlook is good. So, hang your heads up high, Preds fans. And we will continue to be here for more playoff coverage on all the games and upcoming events we have so much to talk about in the off season we have so much stuff going on too kyle that yeah we're doing for this podcast we've got a room we're trying to build a table trying to make ourselves look legit like an actual studio it's going to be incredible and uh we'll, we'll post some more updates in the next coming month here but uh we we, we got to get through the finals first <laughs> exactly and i will say matt there will be a picture of you going up on our account, you wrapped up in that blanket. Which, by the way, before we start recording, he did ask if Daniel had a Snuggie. Yes, a Snuggie, and he requested hot tea be made for him before he got here. So, Way to throw a guy under the bus. I know, man card revoked, but you know he powered through and sounded good while doing it. We're, we're, we're happy he was able to join us and contribute tonight to the overall product of the show. Oh, well, I knew he'd show up as soon as I texted and said, well, I think Daniel and I will do it by ourselves. Nope, I'm coming. You guys cannot do this without me. He was worried that the product would be lessened without his presence. So we're, true. we're glad that you graced us tonight. And um, we're just excited to talk hockey with you, Matt. <laughs> and if you want to talk hockey with us, and not just Matt, you can find the show on Twitter at Music City Gold. You can find me at Kyle Hancock. You can find Daniel at C. Dan Drum. And you can find Matt with his soon-to-be new profile picture of him in the wrapped-up blanket at MattBain31. You guys have a great week, and we will see you on the ice.